to be driven by purpose and to strive for truth and beauty, like he might fail, but how much better is the world going to be because he's on that purpose? Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. What's up? What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Today, I got Adam, and I'm not even going to attempt your last name right now. You got to tell me how you pronounce your last name. Dupuy. Dupuy? Okay. Yeah. Dude, you've been a client for a couple of months now, and I can't even say your last name. I just realized that. Oh, man. Good stuff. So, guys, Adam is the CEO over at Wildman Firewood and Prime Barbecue Club. Uh, we met up, shoot, maybe like six or seven months ago, right? Something like that? Coming up on a year ago, because I joined Apex oh, last January, and I think Drewby put us in contact right around this time, like March. Yeah, so you uh, you were asking about some sales process type stuff and kind of what hiring a new salesperson would look like. And so I walked you through that process and then must have been 10 months later, you became a client. That, yep. that goes to show, that goes to show. You got to work your pipeline, guys. <laughs> All right, so I got a problem. So we've been focused on your sales program, right? And I, and I just, you know, anytime I have a guest on, I go and do like some social media recon on them and you have not posted since like August. What are you even doing? <laughs> what is going on, man? I just put my head down and started doing the work. And that was part of how I got you as a consultant was, uh -oh. you know, we didn't have the money to hire you when you and I met you yeah. and I had that conversation. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, look, dude, if I can get this amount of restaurants, if we can get to these revenue targets, if we can get to this net profit, I can hire Doug. And that was what we did. Yeah, absolutely. So he just, you see him switch that up, Ryan? He just switched that up on me right there. So you're telling me that if you had taken 15 minutes a day to do a post. So the reason I'm giving Adam a hard time is because he's in Apex with me. And the foundation of Apex is posting once a day. And, and that's like the first video of building your machine. So you're telling me that if you took 15 minutes a day or five minutes, however long to make one post, you wouldn't have been able to have all the recent success you've been having. I mean, look, it, I'm not going to lie. I, I definitely overthink content. I think everybody does. And yeah. it, it can get overwhelming when you're in the midst of it. Right. Cause mm -hmm. for, for you, as well as for me, like we have more than one account. Yeah. You know, you have a personal brand, you have Argenta Consulting, and for a while you had Argenta Solar too. Yeah. And coming up with three different videos or three different captions or three different versions of copy is mm -hmm. a lot. No, 100%. But what's the most important one? Your personal one. That one should be done first, even before Wild Man. Even before Wild Man. So anyways, I told you I was going to give you a hard time. I've given you the hard time. <laughs> Let's talk about... Let's talk about, uh, well, and, and I guess here's also why I'm giving you a hard time because I looked at your personal Instagram and you had a post on there with like 400 likes and 73 comments, which was your last post in August, you know, which was, was an amazing post. And so I feel like 
you're you're kind of uh, shorting a bunch of people out there that need your content, especially when you talk about your personal content, because you've got a great story. You know, you said that your uh, podcast uh, intake form, you said being alive is a milestone. True. So I would I would love for you to tell us what that means. I mean, the long and short of it is that I had um, I had brain surgery at 18 months old, benign pituitary tumor. Um, they found it after several different doctor visits and second opinion. And that led to like the brain surgery in 1994, two grand mal seizures and recovery shortly after that. No seizures since then. I've been off seizure medication since I was about 14 to like 15 or 16 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just been this, the, the theme going here, right? Like I started, I also started a business that purveys for restaurants in 2019 and guess what hit in March of 2020 yeah. COVID and guess how many of those restaurants are even still open? Not a lot of them, you know, our entire client base and business model and everything that I do on a daily basis has shifted several times over my mm -hmm. lifetime for that reason, you know, and between that and a, ba a bad car wreck that also led to three different bad spots in my spine. Like the mm -hmm. fact that I am here after getting, having brain surgery, being rear-ended at 70 miles an hour and the Lord only knows all the other things I do on a daily basis. It's incredible to say the least. Yeah, I love it. So being alive is a milestone, but you're not just alive, right? You're actually thriving. You're running your own business. Your business has doubled year over year from what I understand. And um, I mean, most people, and obviously we're not most people, but most people would be like, I should be lucky to be alive. You know what I mean? And I, you know, the video you posted was about working out and how hard it is for you. But if you can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Right. And so, but a lot of people would just make that excuse like, hey, my body doesn't move the way it's supposed to when you work out, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to work out. You know, I'm lucky to be yeah. alive. Maybe I'll just eat less calories <laughs> and I won't turn into a big fat blob, right? But no, you're going to the gym and I see it. I see it in your shoulders, you know? You got some well, traffic going on there. <laughs> that's the hardest part, right? Is like the hard shit is what makes us so much better. Like I wouldn't mm -hmm. be who I am or where I am if I wasn't doing that little bit of work. Like I almost skipped the gym today and I talked myself into it because I was like, look, yeah. you have to go. You have to go. It's for you. You know, I mean, I essentially from that surgery, which I have the scar right here for those on video. Oh, I suffered similar effects to like a stroke. So I don't have the fine motor skills mm -hmm. in this hand that I have in this hand. So the whole left side of my body is not is essentially differently able from the right yeah. side. Yeah, and that's got to be tough once you go into the gym. It is, especially when you're starting out, you're self-conscious. It's just like mm -hmm. if you're overweight or underweight, it's the same thing. You're worried about yeah. people coming up to you, and I've had it. People come and they want to correct my form, and they want to help me out. And it's like, look, dude, I don't think you understand. Like, that neurological function has left the chat. Like, it's not <laughs> Left the chat. Yeah, it, it does not exist, okay? Like, I, I understand you're, you're trying to keep me from torquing an elbow or torquing a shoulder, yeah. but – like I have lived with me for 30 years. Yeah. I know me better than you know me. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right, brother. So 
basically professionally, you, did you did you go right into being a pedicab driver? Or were you doing something else before that, or is is that kind of where you got your start in terms of like hustling? Oh, dude, I did so much. I did so many things <laughs> through my twenties, and like I couldn't decide on one thing until I got to where I I started this company at about twenty six. Okay, when I was in college. I moved to New York, became a personal trainer, moved there for a girl. Bad idea. Don't recommend it. I've done um, that too. Don't worry. It happens moved, to the best of us. I moved back and everybody was happy to see me. They're like, dude, I'm so glad you're back, whatever. And I was like, man, I always wanted to do this pedicab thing. And same thing. People kind of looked at me different because I was differently abled. And especially then I was like real, real skinny. I was like 145 to 155 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, but... I just became the best at it. And that was my introduction to being self-employed. That was like, you know, you go out, you make cash money, you pay the rent on the bike and whatever you make over that you keep. So did so I have is, these? I this went is home what with I think it is. Right? Yeah. The, the bike and pulling people behind the bike. And this is in New York or this is uh, back this in? This is back uh, in New Orleans. Okay. So I'm running around on you know, an overgrown tricycle that weighs 200 pounds and I'm hauling <laughs> two, three people at a time and we're getting in races, we're blasting music, like we're having fun. Yeah. Um, in 2017, I had the opportunity actually to move up to North Mississippi and I bought out a pedicab shop, which was both a great idea because I learned more than I ever knew, but I also mm-hmm. didn't realize what I didn't know until it was in my face. So that's that a- only- that's a retail shop. Like, do you service the clients that are riding on them or do you service like pedicab drivers in, in general? So I was doing both. I was like an owner operator. Gotcha. And so, whereas before I was solely an operator, I had my little, um, I had my little ID card that was clipped to my polo shirt that said I worked for the company and I paid my rent every day. And uh, we had a rule called tripling. If you tripled the rent, that was, good that was what you wanted and you wanted to do triple or more but if you did less than triple you could go to the owner and be like hey look today was a shitty day for reasons xyz do you mind if we lower the rent for the day i only made 75 dollars. the rent's 50 can we kind of pay you 25 and sometimes they were graceful and sometimes they weren't it just kind of depended what's the rent for the actual bike yeah for the bike Uh, for the shift gotcha there was two cool. shifts. There was an AM and PM shift. You were allowed to either come in early or stay late, but you were not allowed to interfere with the other shift unless you had booked yourself for a double, which I did for a long time. I gotcha. So um, you're basically working on tips. You know what I'm saying? You're hoping for some good tips. And then anyway, so the the, the point is you're, you're hustling for cash. And this, that was your first taste of like 1099 entrepreneurship. Yeah, that was my first taste. You actually 1099 yourself. The company doesn't do anything other than collect rent because they own and maintain the equipment and they employed like two mechanics and that was gotcha. and like three managers. That was their whole entire structure. Yes, yeah, so they're not they're not 1099 you because they're just charging rent for the bikes. That makes sense. Correct. That's a smart so, model. Oh, it's a great model because everybody, when I own my own shop, would come to me and be like, well, do you need health coverage for your employees? And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, no, nah, dude, I don't have any employees. Yeah. And no, what sense. we had done with my shop, that was my mechanic was also a rider. So I would give him discounts off rent to help me come in the shop 
And sometimes I'd pay him an hourly rate if he wasn't riding that week or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did you go from that to your current business? The short version is sciatica, but (laughs) (laughs) that'll do it. Yeah. So riding a bike for five years straight is wonderful. It's a lot of fun. Sometimes the weather's great. Sometimes it's not. And Mm -hmm. when you're the, when you're one of the best that operate, especially like in our little metro area, Mm -hmm. you want to keep doing it. And that was really one of the biggest heartbreaks I went through in my twenties. You know, forget the ex-girlfriends. Like I didn't want to give up that career, but I had to, like my body was falling apart. I was starting to get the joint aches, the joint pains. I woke up one morning, like right before Thanksgiving. And I thought somebody like broke my leg in my sleep. Oh my God that's what it was with was a sciatic nerve pain because of sitting on those racing seats and being hunched over. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I was working 80 hour weeks on the bike, yeah. like, cause during football season, I'd pull home sometimes 14, $1,600 a day. Wow. No, that's yeah. Insane. It's a lot of rides. <laughs> so had you already been barbecuing at this point and that's kind of, how you transitioned into it or was somebody delivering to you or did you just start working for someone else? I had always kind of like barbecued on my own and whatnot. So I'd always had that like as a back hobby and I had like made my own beef jerky and stuff at home and I sold that once and somebody told me I should incorporate it. And I looked at cottage laws and I was like, nah, I don't want to get involved in food stuff. Yeah. But I had a friend that was an arborist that was selling firewood like seasonally. That was what he did to keep, you know, his guy's busy during their off season because their off season is always winter time when it's cold. What's an arborist? A uh, tree cutter. Essentially. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So people that cut down and remove trees professionally, whether it's residentially or commercially, mm-hmm. uh, those guys are referred to as arborists. And so he would cut down all these hardwood trees like oaks and pecan trees and so forth. He would keep the wood because he would get paid to dispose of the wood. He'd bring it back, pay his guys like an hourly or a day rate. They would cut it, split it, load it back on their trucks and deliver it. And he Mm -hmm. didn't want, he wanted to cut out that second half of the supply chain. Yeah. So he was like, dude, why don't you start a company and your company will buy wood from my company and you can resell it. Mm -hmm. And he sold me on the pipe dream. He's like, look, there's restaurants and restaurants buy a lot. And if you're selling two cords of wood a day, which at the time would have been like about thousand dollars a day in gross sales. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, you're killing it. And I was yeah. like, I'm 26. I, to me, that's a lot of money. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a truck. I got F one fifty. I got a five by 10 trailer and I got 200 bucks. Let's do it. Nice. <laughs> so dude, I started I been, with nothing. I would have been the same way if I didn't find my, my business before then, I would have been the same way at that age. Okay, so some things have happened since then, right? So you just kind of shooting from the hip. And then when you came into Apex, all right, what would you say your gross sales were when you came into Apex? Well, I wasn't wasn't shooting from the hip because I was in the Lions then by that point. Oh, I so gotcha. I was I was in a different mastermind group and I was still learning and I was still evolving yeah. and I had people like that was how we came up with the logo was the the people from the Lions then helped me pick out the finalists that's from right 99 designs yeah so i had met my former business partner greg in the lions then and he joined apex because of todd friedman who you also know mm-hmm. 
and Greg was telling me about all the help he was getting in Apex and it's this great, great thing. And our monthly sales were really like up and down, but mm-hmm. it all kind of leveled out to probably 10K a month or so. Yeah. And then after joining Apex, we did still have some really low months in the summertime last year, which mm-hmm. year to date were over. But we also had our first like 25K month and like that November, mm-hmm. 25 or 26, I forget, but it was a lot. So as far as, you know, for the most part, being an owner operator at that point, I know you probably had brought on Austin by then or your sales rep that you have now. We, I had brought on, I had like other yeah, guys that would come in and they would, they would help me physically, mm-hmm. yeah. but I had done all of the backend learning and like marketing and right. funnels and sales in general, social media, anything that I had learned, I learned on my own. Yeah. I had, and by this point, you're also doing uh, prime barbecue club as well, which is a, a monthly su- subscription barbecue club, right? Yep. Because Greg and I had started the concept and mm-hmm. then he joined apex and so there, there's a lot of things floating around all at the same time. I'm being an owner operator delivering yeah. firewood every day with, you know, an F-350 and a dump trailer and then yeah. coming home and like doing my research, like, okay, well, how does this work on Shopify? Like if I do yeah. this, if we get, you know, if this is our click-through rate, if this is what our cost to conversion is, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is how we get to this many subscribers every month. Yeah. Very cool. So you're juggling kind of two businesses at this point. And then, but so by the time you reached out to me, what were you guys, what, what did you guys finish the year at? I think right at about 120. So like we were a little bit over the year before. I think we were at 95 at the yeah. end of 21. But we ended up coming in, you know, like I said, probably averaging in, in between that 10 and 12 nice. every month. And now we're averaging as of right now, probably about, six in the, in the off season, which is still pretty good. And yeah. Nice. But that's why that's kind of why you reached out because you wanted to start building out this sales program in order to kind of get back to that 10 in the off season, right? With the restaurants and everything. Yeah. I mean, I realistically, right before I had reached out to you, I kind of saw what I would call the path to like 40 K gross. Okay. And it consisted of like two or three major contracts because we have a lot of different sales channels. You know, I've sold mm-hmm. wood to uh, barbecue restaurants. I've sold wood to Italian restaurants. I've sold wood to uh, campgrounds. And we've even sold wood to movie sets. So I, I just needed help kind of getting narrowed and getting focused and saying, okay, look, yeah. if you can come up with a defined system and process mm-hmm. for not only for you to follow, but for your guys to follow. Cause by this point that I did hire you, I, I had just met Austin like two months before mm-hmm. and you know, he had worked for waiter, which was like our local version of Grubhub. And okay. he had sold probably, I think two or 3 million in mm-hmm. one year with waiter. And it's, you know, it's a little bit of a different sale. We're obviously far more qualified. Like not everybody burns wood, whereas anybody could get on a delivery app. Right. Right. Absolutely. So one of the things that we did um, that I really enjoyed, honestly, and I had never really kind of done before, and now it's part of my 
strategy call model is we said, okay, if you did hire a salespeople or a salesperson, what is your ROI on that? Right. And so we put together this spreadsheet that basically, you know, realistically mapped out, okay, you know, if we're selling two and a half cords a week and we're losing, so the idea was that there's going to be some attrition there. We're losing half a client per week, selling two and a half cords per week, losing half a client per week. What is the net profit that can be added to the business on a weekly basis, you know, depending on how much this person is selling. And we went real conservative, but we, we realized over time, once we hired this person that, uh, Basically, you, you could start out at around a, th a thousand net profit and then go up from there, basically, as they sold more and more. But they had to they had to be maintaining that two and a half quarts a week. You know what I'm saying? Which when you first started, your your target was one quart a week, you know, but now you're a little bigger. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, it was just cool to, like, work all that out and see, OK, there is an ROI here if we find the right person and we have the right sales program in place. So by the time that we talked again a year later, you know, you were in a, a much better place as far as systems and processes. And we started putting together your sales program. And um, I guess what, throughout all of it so far, cause we've been working together for about six weeks now, what would you say is probably your favorite thing about the process so far? Well, the first thing I want to lead into is what actually kind of brought me to that realization over the last couple of weeks is I real I read uh, Profit First for Contractors by Sean Van Dyke. Mm -hmm. And that really opened my eyes because like we have essentially the overhead of like contractors. There's all these different things going in and out, right? We, we use a ton of supplies. People think it's like super easy. You just kind of yank this tree out the ground and then like it splits itself. I can just chuck Norris like karate chop it in. It's like, <laughs> boom. So they think they should be able to buy wood for like virtually nothing and like super low cost, but they don't realize that like, you know, maintenance on diesel trucks and maintenance on trailers and all the, and chainsaw equipment, like all labor, fuel, all these things are super, super expensive. Mm -hmm. And all that has to be factored into your cost of goods sold. Cause if it's not, you're just going to eat shit. And that's what right. I did for like, two years straight even leading into getting into apex until i started to kind of read the books and do the work and the soul searching myself mm -hmm. um i think my favorite part of the process is that we have something that we can go to right like i'm really good at being an educator and that's what i enjoy doing the most in my business mm -hmm. but i'm i'm also incredibly adhd and so like finding the time to want to like write things down and say look this is how we do it because i enjoy that if you yeah. were next to me right now i'd be like look doug this is how we do it i would show you with my hands that's what i right. you know we had a chance to do that customer educator moment mm -hmm. yesterday we had a guy order the hardwood mixture he's like look i understand it's primarily oak ash and pecan can you show me how to tell the difference and yeah i can totally do that oh that's awesome yeah but that's when yeah. you gotta you gotta turn on the phone and record that whole conversation of you educate. Oh my gosh. Like that's money. You, you, yeah. Especially if Austin's with you. Tell, why are you not recording? Like record this and me walking through all this with the customer. And then you just chop it up and throw it on a uh, cap cut, put the, the, the text on it and throw it on Instagram. That, that is the perfect freaking. And, and then everybody would watch it. Not just because like it's a great moment for your business, but it, 
they'd watch it because they're getting educated on on and i don't know the difference either i would watch that you know what i'm saying and I yeah. would too you know i had alex with me and it's funny because alex is also sent somewhat focused on sales like i am so he was over there trying to upsell the dude on building him his own wood rack oh nice he was he was definitely not worried about shooting content. <laughs> he was like, he was like, look, dude, I'm a licensed carpenter. I could build you a rack six ways from Sunday. So yeah. You can make whatever shape, awesome. size, dimensions you want. Well, I respect that hustle too. Got to get the upsells in there, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's hard when, cause like I said, that's what I enjoy. And sometimes you mm -hmm. also don't think about that, that mm -hmm. other people would enjoy it as much as you do. And I think, yeah. you know, you probably learned that from doing content for so long too, right? Like, yeah, it's super easy to get in the flow state and just get going and then forget that like, wait a minute, I should totally record this because yeah. other people enjoy it too. Well, that's why I thank God and I'm blessed to have Ryan over here because Ryan just follows me around and, and he's and he recognizes when those moments are happening. So he just turns on the phone and, and hits record, but that's kind of his job too. So. Well, that's the next milestone I'm trying to reach is I need yeah. to find and hire my own Ryan. Well, I mean, here's the good thing is like a lot of your work is done behind a computer. You know what I'm saying? And when you are out in the field, you can kind of like concentrate. So you could like hire a local guy. You know what I'm saying? That maybe a, a college student going through media arts or something like that or going through film school and say, hey, come shoot me for two days a week at these times. You know what I mean? And maybe it costs you like 200 bucks a week versus, you know, 40 grand a year or something like that for a W2 employee, you know? Right. Um, so some of the things that we did, so, so my, my whole thing is for the foundational stuff. Right. And so, uh, one of the first things that we did is put together a field guide for you. Right. And so when you guys, when you, when you hire a new salesperson or the salesperson you have now has this basically Bible, right. And you got the cover page, you got your mission and your core values on there. And then the first thing that they see is the scope of work, right? And so this is something that, again, you would expect them to absorb if you were just training, like you were in the educator mode and you're like, hey, this is what, this is what as a salesperson, I think you should do every day. And so you're just talking to them one-on-one -on -one and you're training them, right? And maybe they're taking notes, but most people aren't that studious, right? They're just there, you know, they're just close. absorbing it subconsciously, hopefully, you know what I mean? And maybe. so- the scope of work walks them through the income producing activities that they can be doing if they're not doing anything else right and then the daily recommended schedule and so one of the pivot points that your salesperson is going to have to make is like they've been working on a lot of those restaurant deals right the big whales you know and what they have to remember is they've got to keep the pipeline full of those small uh controllable actions right which is knocking residential doors knocking restaurant doors and then also working the, the corporate leads too as well. So we put together a schedule that includes all those things as well as uh, a minimum standard of a certain amount of knocks per day or a certain amount of prospecting activities per day. And that way you can establish that and you can always go back to that, making sure that they're hitting that peak performance and everything. And then we, you know, we, so these just like little things that, you know, my team is really good at graphics, right? And so we put together a, a price list for you. You already had one from your Shopify store, I think, is where you had it. We had it from when we did a trial run of like House Call Pro, mm -hmm. but 
it just kind of like it worked out that it fit everything in it that we needed to and so i just kind of made like a makeshift graphic out of it and that was it made it that much faster to close deals because when we're in peak volume and people mm-hmm. are calling like left and right and like i'm trying to get off the phone to get on the phone again yeah it was like hey look i'll i understand that we're more expensive but like you never you're not gonna get better service i'll send you the price list you tell me what you want i will have it to you today um and by the way they don't know this but they always get a gift basket afterwards nice and so the that little graphic right is the difference between facebook marketplace dude craigslist dude and then a real company you know what i'm saying and then they realize oh it's a real company you know they've actually got uh freaking operations and insurance and you know uh people working for them right well that graphic and also what's on the graphic because we're priced way out of marketplace mm -hmm. you know i i I did so much business on marketplace the first two or three years. And then when I finally made the switch to where we are now to our pricing structure, you know, our minimum order is $216, like not a lot of people that call us all the time. What does a hundred dollars get me? What does $150 get you? Well, it gets you this phone call. That's about it. (laughs) I'll bill you later. I'm not even going to take your money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like I got laughed at. Uh-huh. like a couple of times on marketplace people were like oh you're insane it's like well i don't think you understand what labor costs anymore either yeah no absolutely it's it's rough so a couple of uh, other things we did too because you're having so many of these conversations it's like okay i need to take what is in adam's head as far as this sales process and and make it into a script so that's something we did too we did a residential one we did a commercial one and so now your salesperson has these scripts to work off of. But here's the beautiful thing about it is, and this is the part of the process that I enjoy and I don't get to participate in all the time, is uh, this is like a living, breathing organism. You know what I'm saying? And so you you guys are going to work this system for about 30 days, and then I would encourage you to go back to it and then say, okay, what's working? What's not working? What can we adjust? You know, That's one of the things I did with my sales order for 13 years, different products, different management structures, different override structures, all this stuff. But I was constantly tweaking and adjusting, tweaking and adjusting. And so I always kind of did that quarterly. And uh, I think it's incredibly important, especially with things like scripts, because now you got reps in, you know, now you've used this script on 500 people, you know what's working in and what's not, and you can make those adjustments, right? Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's, it's living and breathing and, you know, we evolve. I mean, we, we where we started and where we are two totally different things. I've actually, I've got pictures I'll have to send you of like when, when I started the company and we were using like little yard carts, like those gorilla carts to unload the wood. And, mm-hmm. you know, we like, now we've got hand trucks and the hand trucks are measured out. So we know exactly how much we're taking off. Mm-hmm. volume wise and how many hand trucks it takes to fill their order whereas before it was all kind of guesstimates and so on so it's like you know you're, you're always evolving you're always creating new processes and the sales mm-hmm. program is exactly the same way exactly so what's on the wildman uh firewood side what's next for you guys what's the next evolution uh the next thing is securing these two contracts that we've been working on Mm-hmm. that i was telling you about so yeah we i'm actually after we get off this call i'm going to austin's house we're going to refill out the vendor app for um 
Zia's, which is a local rotisserie grill for us. Nice. And that would add five restaurants. And to get the key pieces in place to get Zia's would give us all of the pieces to unlock another contract, which is for Boulevard Bistro. Mm -hmm. Y'all have Houston's over there, right, Doug? I don't think so. Houston's? No. No. Yeah. Houston's is it's a pretty big restaurant chain. And Boulevard Bistro was like independent operators that were Houston's and mm -hmm. then they broke off. And so now they they're Houston's, but without the name. Gotcha. But that, that's 10 restaurants right there. It's eight, eight restaurants. Nice. Eight, eight, maybe nine. If they, they kind of are good with the guy that they have in Mississippi. So we can mm -hmm. kind of stay here without having to go across state lines, which would be great because that opens yeah. up, you know, motor carrier numbers and US DOT numbers and yeah. Yeah, no, that would be that would be tough. But as you get more and more regional restaurants that are multi state chains, I mean it may it may prompt at least a satellite office, you know what I'm saying? So you don't have to get those I mean that that'd be less expensive than the D, the DOT stuff. Cause I've done that before. I've, I had a hot shotting company when I was younger, you, you, you know, you, you get your first company and it hits like a million or 2 million and you're like, okay, now I can start another one. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Believe me. I get it. I jumped yeah. into Cause the funny story about prime barbecue club is it was initially just supposed to be a Shopify store for wild man. Like it was uh -huh. just gonna, and these guys had quoted me like, x amount of dollars to build the shopify store back in 2020 i came to them in 2021 when i got the ppp money and i was like hey i'm ready to build that shopify store and they're like cool guess what cost tripled um we're gonna do consulting with it and when we started brainstorming it went from like oh we'll just sell fireplace and fi and barbecue stuff to like <laughs> well let's lean into barbecue well let's do the subscription model well yeah. let and by that point you have a whole different brand Mm -hmm. So we literally made it a different brand. And if I had known that, I tell everybody that, right? Like with both companies, if I'd have known how difficult they would have been, I probably never yeah. would have started, but I'm glad that I did. Yeah. Now you're, you're, in, you got the investment, you know what I mean? You've got the site and everything. So uh, tell me, tell me about the, the model in general, it's a subscription model. What, what comes in these boxes? What can customers expect? So we reach out to all, I have a lot of contacts in the barbecue competition space from doing firewood for so long. Okay. One of our biggest local competitions is coming up here in like two weeks. It's called hogs for the cause by far my favorite festival that we put on in New Orleans. It's a barbecue competition. All the money goes to the children's hospital. It's great. Mm -hmm. So I know I, we service about eight teams every year. And I've made connections not only with those guys, but with the barbecue restaurants. Okay. And so we seek out these different award-winning teams that are like nationally renowned and they're competing at like Memphis in May or the Jack Daniels mm -hmm. Invitational or any of those. And we say, Hey, we want three of your products that anybody can take and use. And we put them in a box. And so you're getting for like 30 bucks a month plus Explosion. shipping. Yeah. You're getting those uh those three products it, a mixture between rubs sauces and marinades and the idea of how i pick the products is how usable are they right like yeah i don't want just pork rubs and i don't want just brisket rubs i want you know the guys that can you can put this on just about anything and it'll come out great 
what are your uh oh wow that's the that's a badass website man they, they did a great job with that so i'm uh, glad because it costs a lot of money to make <laughs> <laughs> it costs more money than re that i reasonably had so uh i think it was mark zalmanoff sent me one of your boxes as a gift as a client gift and because you finished 75 hard yeah i'm just realizing that i had this seasoning and i and i i loved it so much i used the crap out of it and i emptied it out and i went back to heb to get more of it so hebs are our local grocery store they're not local they're regional um and i couldn't find it and now i'm realizing it was probably from that that box that you sent me yeah i believe you got one of those top three right there the uh either the picking and grilling swamp boys or a full bore because when mark ordered it it was within like our first three months of operation that uh -huh. we had sent you one of those or i sent you one of those boxes nice very cool so uh what about uh prime barbecue club where's that at where's it going what's kind of your plan with it so prime barbecue club is like i said it's interesting it's i'm still learning a lot and right now it, it doesn't do a lot of volume but mm -hmm. i'm excited for where it's going what we can do with it because I, I actually opened us up we can ship internationally we sold our first box to germany like last really week. yeah a Dude. guy ordered uh two bundles and <laughs> Of course, it's so much fun when you don't know what you're doing because it's like yeah. <laughs> both, it's both exciting and it's nervous, right? Like yeah. the dude ordered one of the bundles. I thought it was only free shipping within the U.S. He ended up getting free shipping to Germany. Um, by the way, that cost almost as much as what the product was worth. But, you know, I can say that we sold and we shipped six different products to this guy in Germany that you know, he might not have ever in a million years gotten to try. And that's why we started the box to begin with. Cause a lot of these dudes are these little backwood gems that you'll, you'll never meet in person. They don't have restaurants. They just do competitions and that's it. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so prime barbecue club, uh, and you've got a, uh, a, a discount code for our listeners, right? Yeah, so I made the discount code as podcast. They can go on, on our website, which is just primebarbecueclub.com, mm -hmm. BBQ, and um, it will give them 20% off site-wide. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, you guys go uh, check that out. Um, I know I've gotten the box before, and I'm pretty sure I used everything in it, and now I'm pissed because I'm pretty sure I threw away that that seasoning and now i'm probably gonna have to buy 10 different ones from your site and figure out which one it was <laughs> well if they go online they buy the mystery box i will hand pick and i'll mix match some of the different products so they can try different things regionally cool. that's the other really fun part right it's like all of them have different regional influences you know that from being from texas texas mm -hmm. barbecue is not st louis barbecue nor is a carolina barbecue right 100 percent. yeah we love but our drive our dry rubs and our brisket North Carolina is uh, the whole hog and the sauces. St. Louis is the ribs and the sauces. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we we have different products from all across the country. The one of the last ones that we released was actually right here in my backyard, and that was the guy that introduced me to the competition barbecue scene. My buddy James Cruz. Very cool. Are are you still competing yourself? No, I don't, I don't compete. I'm not that good yet. I've had 
a couple of guys that were like, dude, you should cater for like my, my daughter's birthday party or whatever. Oh, I and I'm hear like, that all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> look, like, dude, just if you buy all the stuff I need, I'll bring my pit over and like, we'll drink some beers and we'll barbecue, but it's not that serious. Like yeah. I promise you, it's not that serious. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize. It's like, man, I got a, I got a six figure, seven figure business over here to run. You know what I mean? Like I can't be yeah. behind a pit all day making mm-hmm. freaking minimum wage. It's not going to work. But that's the thing is like breakdown clean up and the setup and the, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I always tell my wife too. Um, I'm like, there's a big difference between doing a backyard barbecue and then cooking for 200 people. Like you lose quality when you do that that much volume. You know what I'm saying? Well, and and even cooking help. for even cooking for 30, 40 people, like my pit can do like 40 pounds of meat at a time, and I can do mm-hmm. like two batches on one ba- basket of charcoal. Yeah. But that's still, you know, that's that's a lot of mental and physical time and energy and, you know, bandwidth. Oh, dude, it's exhausting, like, sitting next to a pit drinking beer. <laughs> I know, man. It's just so hard. Like, I don't know how people do it. They get paid. Oh, man. I will I tell it. you this, though. I got our friend Drewby into his, uh, his Traeger. Nice. Because Drew yeah. had made a post. He's like, look, I'm trying to do this thing. I don't really know where it starts. So I texted him. I was like, look, bro, what are you looking for? What's your budget? What's your user friendliness? Yeah. And he kind of gave me a rough outline. I said, look, you're either looking at a Traeger or a Rectech. Yeah. Rectech probably if price is no objection. Traeger, if you just want some place to start. And he was like, all right, cool. So now he does what? Hashtag show me, show you my meat or whatever he yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. He's always showing off his meat on facebook now that he got that you know it's i i couldn't agree more if you're just in and now we're getting into the barbecue part of the show which naturally building great sales teams is perfectly transitioned to but uh if you're just starting on barbecue adam's 100 percent right like yes there's the traditional way of barbecue and people will live and die by that but if you're just starting out you need room for error you know what i'm saying and that's what a tra- uh RecTech or Traeger allows you. So you don't, if you do fall asleep for too long, it's still running at the same temperature, plus or minus 15 degrees, 20 degrees if it's a Traeger. (laughs) But anyways, like I went crazy on my little junky Traeger for like two years and produced some really good barbecue. And then then I found my traditional pit when I really understood fire management, because that's a whole nother level of barbecue. And uh, once I got comfortable with fire management, you know, the Traeger went to a friend and now all I cook on is a traditional reverse flow uh, lifetime pit. And I, I, w- I will swear by it, you know what I mean? Start out with pellet and, and, and go to uh, traditional firewood, but the traditional firewood is just gonna taste better and you'll have more control of your heat, bottom line. That's how I feel about it. I don't know about you. That's probably the one tip I would leave your audience with is learn fire management. Don't yell at your firewood guy because that happens a lot. <laughs> they call <laughs> like I'm either everybody's best trade secret and they don't want anybody else to find out about me or they're like, dude, this wood is faulty. It's it's green. It's this, it's that. It's like, no, dude, I understand the literal timeline of how wood ages and how it looks in every stage. I can show you with pictures that it's mm-hmm. dry you can yeah. put a moisture meter to it and you can see that it's dry that's intense if you have a moisture meter like your food is going to be amazing i feel like if you go that deep with it i mean people need it you know yeah. like 
like I said, they don't always believe us. And like, that's what got us so heavy into the customer education piece because what I realized that was where the hole in the market was, right? Like Mm -hmm. all these guys are buying what a friend of mine calls the tree service special, which is like, they're just buying whatever they don't even know. Like they're getting this much wood delivered every week and it costs X amount of dollars, but they're being told it's this or it's that. Um, one guy swore up and down, he was buying post oak and you know how hard post oak is to find outside of Texas. Yeah. I went over there and I looked at it and he's like, yeah, this wood's crap, isn't it? And I was like, well, hold on. I'm not like dissing anybody, but I am telling you it's not post oak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm telling you it's not even white oak. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. yeah I, he, uh, he's like, well, how do you know that? Well, dude, you can look at the bark, you can look at the grain, you can smell it. Like there's three or four different metrics you can use to determine what it is without the leaves. Man, I just got an idea for a mini. So I've been on this kick lately that like not a lot of people have 140 or 150 episode podcasts like building great sales teams, but they definitely have like a 10 episode podcast. And I feel like, you know, and you were talking about this too, like us doing like a, a a barbecue book right that would kind of be a, a lead magnet for wild man and prime barbecue and then uh what we could also do is like a five to ten episode podcast on barbecue you know what i'm saying we, we definitely should no you for know sure. there's, there's so many things that people don't realize go into it I, actually mm-hmm. i saw a video the other day you would get a kick out of this that different brands of salt affect your ratios oh yeah absolutely it's because like table salt, kosher salt, like Morton's diamonds, all of those have different mm-hmm. levels of sodium in them. Yeah. And so if you're doing like a two to one with coarse black pepper and salt, that makes a huge difference and your numbers could be way off. Well, I'm a, I do Morton's and then the, uh, the uh, 16 mesh black pepper. Yeah. And I will also say that that butchers blend black pepper is mm-hmm. so much different than just your regular ground peppercorn. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, man, there's, there's one that like, I feel like gets it perfect. Uh, it's, it's just Pryle's, um, seasoning her, uh, pepper, pepper salt mix is like on point. And then another one is, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> well, I will, you want to know the biggest pro about having a barbecue subscription box, Doug? Is you got it all taste <laughs> testing, taste testing. There you go. My man. Yeah. Right, who guys. do you think screened all the products? Yeah. No, I love it. That sounds like a great job. We need to franchise. <laughs> hey man, so I like I said, you ever pass through I 10, you know where to stop. Yeah. I know I got to visit my, my family in Alabama soon. So definitely coming through there again. All right, brother. So, You've got the uh, podcast discount code and what's the website? Primebarbecueclub.com. So it's prime and it's bbqclub.com. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And then if anybody wants to reach out to you and just follow you on social media or for the Wildman Firewood product. I'm really easily accessible. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at either the Adam Dupuy. For those of you that can't spell French last names you can also look me up by wildman firewood or prime barbecue club nice and that that last name is d-u-p-u-i-s right awesome 
Man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I do have one final question for you. Again, we're pivoting here, different kind of subject, but uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? I think I might be one of your few podcast guests that's ready for it because I listened to the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. Before you can hire Doug, I recommend you go back and listen to the podcast because he gives a lot of good advice in there. Um, to me, legacy is less about the physical things I leave behind. And for me, I really want to focus on depth of impact. Like, because everybody talks about impact, maybe they want to impact 100 people or 100,000 people. But to me, if I can change a couple of people's lives, if they can really say that every conversation they had with me was impactful or that I helped them or that, you know, I made a, I maybe changed the course of their family. Mm -hmm. That to me means way more like, you know, I'd rather, I would want to shoot for, you know, 10 years down the line, having like mm -hmm. 10, seven figure earners instead of just like a hundred or 200 six figure earners in our company. Okay. No, I love that. And it's honestly one of the more original answers that we've gotten in, you know, you were kind of ready for it too. So that's fair. No, but I mean, that's a concept that I think isn't talked about enough in general is depth versus width. Right. And so, you know, I have some friends that their goal is to influence a 10 million people or to impact 10 million people. But like you said, that's very surface level. You know what I mean? You might kind of raise their mood for a day, maybe inspire them to start their own business. Let's just say that. Right. But that little inspiration to start your own business isn't impacting their whole life and deep, right? Because you may start that business and, and go out of business in a year. Or you may start the yeah. business and it'd be a wild success, but there's 75 checkpoints in between that somebody else had to come in and impact you in order to make that happen or impact your life, right? So, yeah, you may be the spark, but you're saying you want to be the freaking roaring fire at the end of their life. Yeah, I want to be the fire that was lit underneath your ass that got you moving and got you to where you are. Like, mm -hmm. it started where I really started to develop that answer was when I sent you that Jordan Peterson video where mm -hmm. he was on Diary of a CEO because mm -hmm. the guy kind of asked him, they were like, well, what do you, you know, what's the impact that you want to leave behind? Or, you know, why do you think it's better to be purposeful as opposed to just being happy and he's like well because happy doesn't really mean anything happy is elevated music right to be driven by purpose and to strive for truth and beauty like he might fail but how much better is the world going to be because he's on that purpose yeah the depth of the impact versus the width no it, right. it, it, it works out so perfectly you know when you think about the legacy that you want to leave behind it is a legacy of consistent firewood you know what I mean? Not only are you going to be the spark for the people that you want to impact, but you'll be that that log of wood that keeps that fire going. Yeah. And he's the perfect example from that interview that he the guy asked him, they're like, well, you know, instead of asking you, are you happy? What's a better question to ask? And he said, how are you doing? And the guy said, how are you doing? He said both brilliantly and terribly at the same time, because while he's changing people's lives in those moments when they're telling him a story really fast in 30 seconds or less, he can see the depth of their despair from where they were before they get to the final success of like where they are. Mm -hmm. 
So I think of that every day. Like I want these two guys that work for me now. I we asked I asked them that question the other day. I was like, Do you really think you know, y'all both have daughters. One has two daughters, the other one has one daughter. They're mm -hmm. all three under the age of three. I said, Do y'all really think that these kids are ever gonna believe what we tell them we did for work when they were this age? Or, or are we just gonna be the old grandpas that walked uphill both ways in the snow barefoot? <laughs> both ways yeah both ways yeah you know like and that that's honest like i don't know that any of their three daughters that naomi cersei or blake would honestly believe when we tell them like dude we had to do some crazy shit back in the day back in yeah. 2022 and 2023 when y'all were you know 30 pounds yeah you, you guys are seeing this firewood empire now or this barbecue empire you know what i mean but Back in the day, it was delivering, delivering wood on the back of an F three hundred and fifty with a, what'd you call it, a, a dump trailer? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I love it, brother. I appreciate you coming on the show, kind of sharing your story as well as some of your testimony about uh, working with me on the consulting side. And uh, yeah, definitely that original uh, answer. I hadn't heard anything original in a while. I feel like people are hearing the answers to those questions and then they're just kind of regurgitating them. But I, I like that you went deep with it versus wide. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely believe in an inch wide and a mile deep. And I try to do that not only with each customer and that's why we get, that's why we've grown off of referrals, but also with the guys that work with me. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, they're, I'm almost like the godfather to their kids at this point. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You knew all their daughter's names. All right, brother. They were looking for me. Yeah. They I were looking for me the other day. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. All right. Let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.